Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. The best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. And that's a quote by Tom Fishburne. And I'm so excited to have my guest Krista Marie on today. And we're going to talk about all kinds of good things. So stay tuned for that. Before I do, just a reminder, this and other podcasts are over on YouTube. Or if you're watching, listening on YouTube, you can get 188 other episodes on all the podcast channels that you might like. Anywho, let's get going. Who is this Krista Marie? Well, she's a photographer, business coach. She hosts a podcast herself. Um, did that change to Hey Krista Marie or is it still She Calls Her Shots? Still She Calls Her Shots. Okay. Good question. <laughs> so her podcast is She Calls Her Shots and she loves to help creatives ditch the overwhelm. Yay. And create thriving businesses focusing on the tactical strategies, habits, mindsets, and confidence work that is crucial to see long-term growth. She loves to educate and mentor other photographers and creatives to turn their slash our wildest business dreams into reality using especially social media, the blog, and podcast. So welcome and thank you so, so much, Krista Marie, for joining us on The Profitable Photographer. Yes, thank you so much, Lucy. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So can you, first of all, just the little short version of how you got to be where you are, like how you started in photography or mm -hmm. how you got so smart with how to market. So yeah, happy to, and yeah. I'll keep it condensed and short. So I have been doing photography now for about 13 years. Um, I started back in 2010 and I was still in college, um, was getting my degree in at the time accounting. <laughs> which okay. was an interesting, a whole nother story, which, yeah. you know, anyway, so I started my photography business and wasn't really sure if it was something I could do full time, but it was something I enjoyed. Um, I started second shooting for a friend of mine. So I would join her at weddings. And once I graduated, I realized, you know what, I actually do really enjoy this. Maybe I can make money mm -hmm. doing this. Um, so I still continue to work in the corporate world until actually 2019. Um, so continue to grow my job. Um, I did move across the country from Florida to California during that time. So also had to figure out how to restart my business in not only a new city, but a new state on the other side of the US. So continued to rebuild that in California. And in 2019, um, I decided to leave my full-time job and go full-time in photography. Things were going really well at the time. And then um, everything happened in 2020, everything kind of came to a pause. And it was the interesting time that I think every photographer was like, what am I, what am I doing with my life? I had all I'd known for the last, you know, 10 years was doing photography and considering myself a photographer. And that's when I launched my podcast. Um, I started doing more one-on-one -on -one coaching with other um, entrepreneurs. And that's where I found a lot of the joy. I still do photography. I now, I do some weddings still. I focus a lot on branding photography, mm -hmm. but that's kind of been the journey from where it started to what brought me here to where I am now. Yeah. And who knows what the next chapter will be. That's exactly. So what would some tips be for people that are working a regular job? I'll say a real job with air quotes, because this is a real job also. Mm -hmm. But what would you suggest people think about or put in place before they make that decision to mm -hmm. go for it and go all in in photography? Yeah, that's such a great question. I have so many things to say about that because I obviously spent a long time of my photography career also working full time. And some of the things I wish I would have maybe done differently. Uh, first and foremost, I really discredited the fact that I was a photographer because I felt like I couldn't say that since I couldn't say I did it full time, mm. I was really down on myself. I mean, for a long time, nine years, because 
some photographers that I knew went full-time pretty early on. Maybe they worked another job and then they went full-time in their business. I know sometimes for people, they have the story where they don't like what they do. And so they're like, how do I get out of this so that I can go full-time in my business? I actually, I liked my job. I had a great job. I love my coworkers. Mm. It paid really well. So I struggled with that because whenever I would, if I would meet people or submit weddings, or I remember I submitted a wedding way back in 2012. And it literally, one of the questions on the forum was, do you do photography full-time? And I was like, what? In my head, I'm like, does that have anything to do with like my work? Like it was this thing where it was just like, does this affect me as a creative. And so I started to tell myself the story that I wasn't as good as other people. Um, And so I think that's like, first and foremost, is really don't discredit whether you're doing this full time or not. You're still just as talented as anyone else that is doing it full time. Okay. So how about the, the prep? Like, for me, I always suggest that people have a certain amount of money in the bank. Yeah. Um, a steady flow of clients, some other things rather than like, yeah. I'm just going to jump and hope I get a parachute. I love what you said about seeing yourself as a real professional photographer, mm-hmm. even if it's something that you do in addition to something else. So, mm-hmm. but how about on the practical level? Yeah. So, another thing that I wish I would have done is actually looked at my finances as. Uh, my means of making money because another trap that I think I fell into was for a while, my photography money felt like fun money Ah. because I had a full-time job. I didn't have to have my photography money could be the thing that I used to invest in my equipment, to take classes, to travel, but I didn't actually sit down to treat it as this is going to be my full-time income. And so I need to like start treating this like it. And so what ended up happening was I left and I thankfully was in a state where, um, I needed to make money. Well, then COVID hit. So nobody was making money. I wasn't making yeah. money. But at the time, I felt comfortable that I had had a savings built up. You know, I had kind of done the work that I felt like I needed based on my current situation. But I hadn't actually done the practical of leading up to that point of looking at my photography money as my income. And because uh, of that, when I lost my full time income, I went through this panic mode of, oh gosh, even though I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. I really have to like, you know, I have to treat this money as it's not just fun money anymore. It's not just money that I could just use in buying new gear or going on trips. Like this has to now support me and my life. It's no longer just that fun money. So doing some of that work ahead of time to actually make that mental switch. And of course, saving up, you know, figuring out what your situation looks like. How much do you need to have? What I wanted to just reiterate is Number one, you said, think of yourself as a real photographer. Number two, think of your money as real business money, not play money. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that because when people start out and they're doing a very low price shoot and burn, because it feels like, oh, good, I get a couple hundred dollars play money. We just don't know where this career might take us. And so if we start out from the first charging professional prices learning how to sell and what you just said looking at it as business money then we don't have to backtrack and mm-hmm. scramble if something happens you know let's say well let's say you you have a spouse who is making a great living and the spouse loses their job wouldn't it be great if you're already uh ready to roll to kick it up with the photography business. So that's a really good point. Something good to think about. So, yeah. And I think another thing it it requires you to do is because at that point, like I said, sometimes I think we get lost in this trap of, Oh, I'm investing in my business. But when we're treating it as fun money, we're just constantly like, we're just investing, investing, investing. We get the money, we spend it, whether it's a course or, you know, whatever it might be. And we don't really take the time to start to analyze our expenses either. Mm -hmm. So then when we do go full time and now you have to like actually cover other expenses other than just like having that fun money, it really starts to reframe just how you think about spending and mm-hmm. noticing your spending habits and your saving habits. And it you, you learn a lot about how you treat money when you actually make that shift. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the 
handicaps when we've got a good job or we have a partner with a good job is it is easier not to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, even for people that like when I'm coaching, I have I have had several coaching clients who didn't actually need the money, but they had the drive and the passion and they wanted to build something. And I found it was more challenging at times to get them to like go all in because they knew their bills were going to be paid. Whereas Mm -hmm. for me, I um, found myself unemployed. I'd had a little business and my contract was canceled during a recession. And so I needed to make it work. It had just been a hobby. And so I'm grateful for that because it, it like, pushed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking like a catapult or a launch to have to make it work because I did not want to have to go get a real job again. Yeah. So, yeah. Any other, because I have other topics, but it just had come to mind since you said that you had a job you liked and then yeah. transitioned. So is there anything else if someone's like, how do I know I'm ready mm-hmm. to go all in full time? So any other thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, you always hear you're never going to feel 100% ready. And I think that's definitely true. Um, whether it's because you don't like your job, and you, but you're afraid to lose that income, or you love your job, and you're questioning is now the right time. Um, but I think like, really, the the financial side of it, and the the mindset part of it, are like starting to work on those ahead of time to get yourself prepared. And when you'll, you you feel a little bit like, okay, I do think it's the right time. And then just being able to push past that, you know, that fear, but knowing that you've put in that effort to have things set up and also trusting yourself that when I, when I decided to leave, I was speaking to my life coach and I was so afraid. What if this doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I, all these, what if questions? And she was like, well, let's play that out. What if, what if this doesn't work out? What are you going to do? And I was like, I'll get another job. She's like, okay, that sounds like a great plan. And it was like, oh, okay, yep, yeah, I can do this. I can figure it out. I can make it work. And so realizing that taking the jump doesn't have to be this final thing that you're never going to have another plan to fix it if it doesn't work. Like just trusting yourself to know that you'll be able to figure it out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And another thing that came to mind for me is, yes, we want to have our ducks in a row. We want to have savings in the bank. We want to have the skills. We want to know how to do some sales. We've got marketing going, but we don't have to have everything. Like I'm going to wait till my kids are out of high school. I'm going to wait till like one of my coaching clients had three kids, all of them under five. And then she had a surprise baby in the middle of all that. And she within her first year of starting starting from zero, because she didn't have another full-time career. So it's a little different, but mm-hmm. she just was like, I'm just going to make this work. And now she has two big pet studios that are bringing in over a million and a half a year. Wow. And, yeah. but she did not have all of her things. Her husband was deployed more than he was home. You know, she wasn't waiting for the perfect circumstance. But she was ready and she was all in. And um, I'm super, super proud of her. So, yeah. All right. Burnout, burnout. How do we avoid that? How do we dance with it? Yeah. So, and that's what I think the biggest thing with burnout is accepting that it's inevitable. It's going to happen. I think one of the things that as photographers, as creatives, we we really pressure ourselves into feeling like we need to be in control of a lot of things because anything outside of that control feels scary. So when we start to feel burnout, when we start to feel that feeling of, oh gosh, like I have all of you know these weddings or these shoots or these things that I need to do and I have no motivation to do them. And it starts to put us in this spiral of, you know, is there something wrong with me? Am I like, is, you know, we like, just that loss of control starts to really, I think, make us nervous. So first and foremost, just accepting that we can put things in place to try to help prevent the burnout, but we're likely going to still experience it, even if we have those things in place. Mm -hmm. Um, And just starting to accept that that's going to be a part of our journey. Okay. I'm sorry. Can you describe burnout? Yeah. 
So a lot of the times, at least for me, there, I feel like burnout can kind of come in a couple of different forms. The first form is you have truly overbooked yourself and you are working 24-7, you're feeling really stressed out, you have other obligations, and now all of a sudden you have lost the things that you used to be really excited about doing, you now have no motivation for. Mm. Like the things that usually bring you joy, maybe you really love going to shoots and editing and now all of a sudden you just don't want to do it. You have no motivation and you almost have this resentment to it as well. These things mm-hmm. that you just like really don't. And then that can start to spiral into, is there again, like, is there something wrong with me? Should I not be doing this anymore? Um, and just recognizing that that's, that's just burnout. And that's something that we have all experienced at, at some point in time. Okay. And was there a second one or? Um, Yeah. I think the other, the other type of burnout, which I feel like is maybe not as common, but it can also just be, um, it's like a different type. So the first one is you're overbooked. You're doing the things you love doing, but you're doing it so much that you're burnt out. The other one I feel like can be a lack of doing what you're doing. So let's say you're in a slow season. You're in a season where you're not getting a lot of inquiries. You're you're experiencing burnout, but it's on the other end of constantly putting yourself out there, like marketing, Instagram, doing all the things, and you're spreading yourself out so thin that now all of a sudden you're burnt out from that, but you're not doing the things that you want to be doing. And so it's like, I feel like as a creative, we go through those two different seasons of you're either burnt out from doing the thing you love too much, or you're burnt out because you're really chasing after the clients to do what you want, but you're not bringing in what you would hope to be bringing in. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, For me, there is a third that comes to mind, which is that it's actually time to change and you Mm -hmm. keep hanging on. Mm -hmm. So weddings for me is an example of that is I started building my children's portrait business so that I could quit weddings mm-hmm. and I actually wish I had quit two years earlier because those last couple of years were like some post-traumatic stress going on because I really, my heart was not completely in it. Yes. And I, I do too much on a shoot, which is fine when it's a family portrait, but when you're turning yourself inside out more and more and more um, at a wedding, you know, that's a lot. And so my recovery, like I had a serious like year of a kind of exhaustion because it was time for me to change sooner. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's different, different forms and different intensities. So now back, meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> So number one, you said burnout is inevitable. And so yeah. we accept that. So what? what's another thought about burnout and avoiding it or dancing? Yeah, I think it's also remembering that it's going to come in seasons. And so just kind of accepting that, you know, sometimes it creeps up on us without us realizing that it's there. One of the things I've noticed is, especially as goal getters, as people who are really excited to build businesses, our first thought is to recognize the burnout and then immediately try to push past it Mm. or like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't have time for this or I'll get over this quickly or I'll figure out what I can do. Right. Like how many Mm -hmm. of us are like, Oh, I'm sure there's something I can implement that'll help me get over burnout. When in reality, it's like, depending on how far into burnout you are, you actually just might need to like take a really big step back from it. And of course, depending on your situation, if you have galleries, you have to edit. And if you have things you have to do, you know, maybe it's figuring out someone who can help with that and actually starting to outsource some of that in that season to give yourself some space. Mm-hmm. But um, but just recognizing that there's you're you're gonna want to push past it, but the only way you're really ever long-term gonna be able to to recover and bounce back from burnout is if you let yourself actually sit with it and understand it and like learn more about it, what your triggers are, how it affects you, um, the things that you can do to help recover from it. Um, And that's sometimes the most uncomfortable part is learning that I kind of have to sit with this for a little bit so that I can then get over it and then help prevent it later on. Yeah. I'm noticing with my coaching clients this month, it's January that we're recording this. 
there are a couple of them that are just exhausted, but they're feeling like it's January. It's a new year. How do I get going? But I'm still really tired, but I should be, you know, I'm not telling tales because you don't know names, but um, yeah. And in their situations, they actually had busier and more intense falls and Christmases than they anticipated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, and now I just want to lay on the couch. And do you feel like we need to get up and go? Or or is there a compromise between just laying around for a month? Yeah. And like, what are your thoughts on that? The thing, the thing that I found for me is really figuring out the intentions. Like I like to get really deep with understanding, okay, I think all of our feelings are legit. And if you have a day where you want to lay on the couch and do nothing, that is absolutely fine. But I think it's really important to dig into, but why is it that I want to do this? Is it because I am I don't want to show up because I'm afraid, right? Like there are some days where I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do any of the stuff. But really when I dig deep, it's like, well, I could, you know, show up on Instagram today, but, oh, but I don't know what to share. And what if nobody likes me? And so it's like starting to figure out what are the voices behind your, like in your brain telling you, if you just want to have a day where you're like, I'm tired and I feel like not creative today. And I want to just lay on the couch and watch TV. Awesome. Do that. Cause that's clearly what you need. But if you're if you're secretly kind of avoiding the things that you want to be doing because you're afraid of showing up, you're afraid of judgment, like those are the things where I think it's really important to dig into. What are some of the intentions and the motives behind it? Yeah, yeah. And one of the hot tips I'm sure we both agree on is having a coach. You know, could be a life coach, could be a photography coach, could be a group, but some place to go to take all of this and sort it out and talk about Mm -hmm. it and figure out like with one of my coaching geniuses, she just hadn't really thought about how hard she worked in the last four months. And as we unpacked that, she was less judgmental at the end of our conversation and realized, okay, I had twice as much work as I expected. Mm -hmm. And so of course I'm tired. And it's okay not to feel for a little while like, you know, getting out there and like pushing through. So the conversation can be so important with somebody who um, has some of the tools, like like you said, asking people, is it fear or, you know, yeah. just, just being curious about where's this really coming from. So having support in yeah. lots of ways. And having that different perspective, because it's hard for us to see some of the things, even as a coach myself, this is why I always have a coach (laughs) because someone else can really start to see like, where am I selling myself short? Where am I not seeing something where, Mm -hmm. where gaps I just am missing. And that's, that's all of us are going to experience that. So yeah, having someone who can just have those different perspectives to also help you break things down. That's one thing I feel like I work on a lot with my clients is these big, big, big goals that you have. That's awesome. But let's figure out how we can like you know, really integrate these into your life and also break them down into things that make sense for where you are and what season that you're in. Right, right. Any other things when it comes to the burnout? Um, I, I think just, again, like really kind of going back to the giving yourself grace, finding your triggers. Are there certain things or groups or places or things that you notice that you start to feel triggered by things that then start those voices of, Mm. you're not enough, you're not good enough, really recognizing those and starting to distance yourself from that to kind of help prevent that feeling of overworking and needing to perform at some certain level, Mm -hmm. because that usually leads to burnout. Finding someone that can really help encourage you. So maybe it's a coach, maybe it's an accountability partner, someone who also has a business and understands the ebbs and flows and everything that we go through. Because as much as we love our friends who don't have businesses, they'll say, oh, you're doing great. They they look at you and they think you're doing so good, all this stuff. And you they really don't quite understand what it is that you're going through. And then just relieving yourself. If you're, if you're right now, if you're in a season of burnout and you're like, I don't know where to go, what am I supposed to do? Releasing the pressure, whatever timelines you had for yourself. Of course, if you have client galleries and deliveries and deliverables that you need to do, like work with your clients for that. But any of your other self-made goals, timelines, things, relieve yourself of all of that and 
allow yourself the ability to start fresh and rework it um, in a way that actually is feasible and maintainable. Yeah. Do you know the term? Um, it's a farmer's term when you let the field go fallow. Do you Mm-mm. know that word? F A L L O. So look it up. So farmers will leave a field for a year and just let the soil regenerate itself. Mm. And that's called going fallow. There's a beautiful song by Joan Baez called I Miss the Fallow Times. And (laughs) so whenever I'm feeling like I need to like, you know, let the dust settle, I sing that song to myself. (laughs) Like, it's okay. It's actually healthy. Mm-hmm. To have those times, if, like you said, it's not coming from fear and anxiety, but just like sometimes there's a season or a mm-hmm. week or a month or a day or an afternoon where we just let things just settle mm-hmm. because then out of it, like last year, I really let um, a number of things just sort of rest and mm-hmm. and stop push, 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 pushing myself. And now I feel renewed and much more productive, creative, enthusiastic about all kinds of things because I allowed the follow. So allow Mm -hmm. is in the word follow. So I love that. That's so beautiful. And I find that I've actually found now, well, now that it's not raining anymore here, um, Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed every day because I'll usually like I get in work mode and I won't get up for anything. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I, I try to not move. And so one thing I've been doing is daily for at least 30 to 45 minutes, getting out, going for a walk and just listening to either like meditation music or just something, no words, no podcasts, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And it's time for me to ground myself and make sure. Cause I, what I found for me is that if I get into super work mode, even when it feels good, even if I don't feel burnt out, even if I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, it starts to creep in though of that, like, Oh, I feel like the more that I put in, this is going to be what makes me successful. Like I have to put in the work and then that's how I get it in return. And when creating from that space, like as it starts to creep more and more and more is just like, not the best space to be able to really give to people um, in the best way. So I found for me, even on a daily basis, I'm like, how can I spend 30 to 40 minutes of just resetting and grounding myself? So I'm not Mm -hmm. constantly feeling like I have to be in the business to be growing in. Yeah. So I love that. Thank you. It reminds me years ago, that was when I was still doing weddings. I was active in a 12-step group called Workaholics Anonymous. Mm. And what I learned was it wasn't things that I needed to stop doing that made a difference. It was things I needed to add to my life, like Mm -hmm. the walks, like journaling, like time with friends, um, art estates, the Julia Cameron, the artist way. Mm -hmm. One of the first things she says is once a week, have an artist date with yourself. And what I found as I started to do those, you know, add-ons is then I worked smarter, not harder, and actually doubled my income mm-hmm. while working less and doing more of the things that brought me joy. Yes. So it's exactly what you're talking about, just in a more formal, like I was powerless over work and my life was unmanageable, 12-step. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's no really brownie points in heaven or wherever we go for being workaholics. No, there's not. There's exhaustion. There's, you know, like it's not a badge of honor Mm -hmm. if we're not working smart and Mm -hmm. we're not honoring ourselves, our relationships, you know, time to, to be and to love and to laugh and all that. Yeah. And I think one of the hardest things to remember is that reframing of again, kind of where is this coming from? Because I used to wear busy as a badge of honor because I felt like if I was constantly working, you know, some of the underlying thoughts is people will see how hard I'm working and they'll see, you know, I'll be justified when my business grows or I'll be justified when this happens or... And so really digging deep into what are my motives behind this? Like this actually isn't a healthy motive. Um, And then recognizing that sometimes the person you have to really reframe is to yourself. Like really just, I needed to recognize that I 
I'm more productive when I allow myself space from my work because it really helps me prioritize. Like it, there's just so many benefits, like you said, that you get from it. But that voice in our head can be the most critical person and the fears that show up of how we're presenting ourselves to other people and really mm-hmm. starting to learn to to get comfortable in recognizing where where is that coming from? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big proponent of energy mm-hmm. and uh, the law of attraction. Yes, same. And I have found that when I've been like, okay, I'm going to create this thing and I'm going to publish it and the social media and emails and and it's going to work. And then it's a big zero. And then when I backed off and got more into the attracting rather than pushing, then things just magically appeared. Mm-hmm. And there's something about, uh, like they'll call it commission breath. If you're trying to make a sale or trying to book a client and people feel it, mm-hmm. you know, we all have this sense of each other, whether it's what we see, what we tone of voice, posture, or just some woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when we're push, push, pushing, it's not as attracting of what we want. So that fine line between actions, yeah, wisdom, good choices, and having that that energy that spirals up in a positive way, where we can listen mm-hmm. for the wisdom that is within us or that comes to us. Because when we're push, push, pushing, it's noisy. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, no, why did you do that? Like you and I talked about um, now I'm on uh, YouTube and I've also been upping my game on Instagram and I've been meaning to do that for a long time, but I was busy doing other things to try to grow this show. And now doing those things, it's like, Oh, yeah. You know, the wisdom of that came to me. And mm-hmm. it seems easy because mm-hmm. I'm not on overwhelm like, oh, I can't check my Instagram once a day and make comments. Sure, I can. Yeah. I'm not pushing. Did that make any sense? No, that does make sense. And one thing just on that note quickly, because I just had a conversation in my group coaching program yesterday about this that I think is so important is really figuring out like these platforms that we want to show up on, figuring out what is my um, what's my intention of having this platform? And for me, for a long time with Instagram, what I would put so much pressure on launching and showing up and having reels and making sure they were getting views because in my head, I was equating that to more clients as if I was using Instagram to find clients. And it wasn't until recently that I realized, you know what? Instagram for me is not like the main place. People can find me, but it's more so a place where people can come onto the platform. They can find my page. They can look at my posts. They can see my stories. They can get a sense for who I am, but I'm not needing people to be, I don't need to be ultra searchable and ultra findable and have all these people like, that's not how I'm using it. So why am I treating it as if I need to be showing up and doing multiple posts a day or multiple things? Like I was putting all this pressure on it when really that's not the way that I want to use the platform. And so, yeah, it's like giving yourself that ability to be like, you know what? I actually don't need to show up in this super stressed way where I need to be doing all the things and really just getting clear about how do I want to use this platform and how will I use it in a way that feels good to me. And like you said, like sometimes it's just giving yourself that space. Like I know that I want to do this, but I'm not going to force myself to do it right now. And I'm going to let myself do it at a time when it actually feels like, okay, yep, I have Mm -hmm. energy to be able to do this. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, do you think we ought to get into some of those five marketing mistakes or is that another conversation? (laughs) It's probably another, like, I'm happy to go through them, but I do feel like there's probably more context that goes with them. I'm happy to list them just so that people like, since we brought it up, we, I can kind of just quickly tackle each of them one by one. Um, Here's a little bonus. So today's topic, (laughs) burnout, personal exploration, managing your energy, La 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 la. <laughs> little bonus on this, a little PS is because this is one of Krista's superpowers is social media marketing, right? Yeah. And making it feel sustainable and something yes. you actually enjoy. <laughs> okay. So five tips or five mistakes or five whatevers. Yeah. 
So awesome. Okay. So the first one, and this kind of ties into the, what we were just talking about with burnout, but the first one is really trying to reach everyone and not niching down. And I know that some people, we can get really, when we hear the word niche, we think, oh, I have to niche down to this small, tiny market. And then we don't niche because we're so pressured into trying to find the right market. And so it's eliminating all of the pressure of that. But just again, thinking about how you're talking to your clients In the very early days as a photographer, as a creative, you're probably going to be talking to everyone because you're exploring different types of photography. You may not know what it is that you want to do, and that's 100% okay. But as you grow, trying less to talk to everybody, to be just the person with the camera who can provide photography services to anybody that needs them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's usually one of the first mistakes because when you, you've probably heard it, when you're trying to talk to everybody, you're not really talking to anybody. No one is mm-hmm. really actually hearing what it is that you offer. So, um, so that's tip number one. Mm-hmm. Um, tip number two, um, focusing on too many different platforms or only focusing on one platform. So as far as where you're showing up and what you're doing, people, I feel like usually go in one of two camps. Either you have spread yourself out so much that you can't create enough content because you're trying to show up on so many different places. That Again, mm-hmm. you're trying to speak to too many people and you're not really getting through to anyone. Or I've also had people that are, you know, you ask them what their marketing strategy is and they say, well, I'm on Instagram. And that's always a flag for me because I'm like, well, is that the only place you're showing up? Because Instagram is very short form content. Again, it's very hard for people to find you. And if you're spending all of your time and energy into trying to get viral with reels or whatever, like, is that really going to be the thing that's going to bring clients into your business? Um, So that's tip number two, or I guess mistake number two. Too much. Yes. What I just a little thought that I don't remember who mention this, but if we're not going to go in pretty consistently, don't even be on a platform. Mm -hmm. Because if you go to someone's Instagram, let's say you're really big on LinkedIn and you're just so active and your Facebook game is really great. And then you're never doing anything on Instagram. If I only find you on Instagram and you haven't posted in two mm-hmm. years, I think, oh, she's not a pro or she quit or she moved or something. And I may never get over to those places where yeah. you are, you know, just getting your word out. Okay. Yeah. And that's the whole thing, right? Like sustainability, find the things that whatever that number is for you, for some people, if you have a team, if you have things, if you can show up, if you're really great at repurposing content and you can show up on different platforms awesome. But if it's not sustainable and it's not something you can keep up with consistently, it's better to just not right. <laughs> have it. And that's where having a good virtual assistant or yes. in-person assistant that can keep up with those is worth the weight in gold because mm-hmm. our time's worth two to $500 an hour. Yeah. So um, yeah, get help. Okay. Number three. Definitely. Yes. Number three um, is waiting for opportunities or clients to be presented to us or to come to us. Mm. I think that this is another big one. Whereas new photographers, we're usually so excited to get clients that we will, I mean, we will go to the meetups, we will go to the meetings, we will go to the places and we will proactively offer our services to people. And then we kind of get to a point where now we're waiting, right? Like, oh, I put up the new website and then we wait for people to come to us. Or mm-hmm. like we have the new Instagram and we, we wait for clients to come to us and we kind of lose that service-based. I always talk about it as like this like service-based way of showing up, of really going out there and you have to invite people into your services. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think we forget that and we just think that if I'm a photographer, people will know that and immediately know that they want to work with me. Right. Um, so I think that's that's a really big one that I find pretty consistently is like really remembering how can I provide value and service to people to then, you know, bring in more clients, bring in more opportunities. Yeah. So I think that's probably like one of the big ones of the five. Right, right. That getting our name out there is not as easy and as functional unless we have some way to to draw them to us as mm-hmm. well. We're not like, unless you open a shop in the main street in a smallish town and then you're there and people see you. Yeah. Yeah. Really getting out there. That's something I work on a lot with clients is like, how can we get you connected to other people? How can we bring up opportunities that will then lead to 
more. But yeah, that proactiveness about it, I think is so important. Okay. Number four. four, four. Yes. So number four, um, and this is something I see quite often um, within communities is asking other business owners what they should be doing or Mm -hmm. looking at other business owners and what they, how they're showing up, what platforms are showing up, the ways that they're showing up, and then just emulating that as a way of creating a marketing strategy, which I mean, as you know, as you can guess, is just not sustainable at all. Um, It's funny because I tend to follow, um, I think we talked about like the Enneagram or like talking about like patterns. So I'm an, I'm a nine, which I think is funny because I have a podcast and usually nines, like we don't like to share our opinions. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to make people uncomfortable. So, you know, it's like interesting for that. But I follow online and in the world, a lot of sevens. And for me, that's funny because Mm. sevens have energy just exploding out of their beings. And Mm. if I tried to emulate their way of marketing and growing their business, I wouldn't last like 48 hours because I just do not have that type of energy. And so really just recognizing that they're, everyone is just going to work in such different ways. And just because something was a tried and true method way for someone to grow a business, it is not going to necessarily be the thing that's going to work for you. But I find so often from this lack of self-confidence and this, you know, especially when you're starting off, like it, we have a tendency to just, well, what are other people doing? And right. I'll just do that. Right, right. I so often on Facebook, I'll see somebody post in a group, what should I charge? Or what do you charge? And first of all, there's one group where it's all the blind leading the blind. And, (laughs) and, but I keep, I keep, I keep hoping I can like throw in some like, Hey, if you're charging $200 and you're spending 20 hours and your cost of goods, Mm -hmm. uh, you're making like two bucks an hour, you know, anyway. all the coaching behind it. Right. And that's the thing is that they ask these questions that they're, they're looking for this right or wrong answer to. And it's like, there's just so much more to unpack there. And you don't know people's success. Mm -hmm. There are people that if you go to their website and you see their pricing and you think, oh, I'm going to copy her. I've heard of her. I think she's successful. She might be broke. She Mm -hmm. might be making all of her money from programs mm-hmm. that she leads or she may have a rich husband or we don't know so what i think you're saying is you got to look at your own mm-hmm. goals and how you can achieve what you want to do and get yeah. advice from smart business people rather than asking other people that are not yes uh don't know our full story Yes. Yes. Having someone who can actually look at you as a whole and your goals and everything and your personality and really help you create something that feels sustainable. Yeah. Great. Okay. Number five. Yeah. The last one. Um, and this is a big one, I think also is just overcomplicating the process. How many times do we think, right? Like I've had so many clients I've worked with, like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a new Instagram strategy. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna post five times a week and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. And I'm like, mm-hmm that seems like a lot when you're like not doing anything right now. Like maybe let's make this less complicated. And like, again, about integration, how can you start to integrate this and build habits in your life instead of overcomplicating how you're showing up? Because you might be able to show up in this really complicated way for a week, but then chances are you're going to fall off and then you're going to get frustrated. And then you're going to tell yourself the story about how you just can't show up on this platform or like, it just again, starts to really spiral down. So figuring out like what you actually can sustain, what's going to work for you and just making it as simple as possible to at least start implementing it. I'm going to pause one sec, just so I can think about what I'm trying to say. I was thinking of a conversation I had with another awesome guest about the value of getting to know who we are. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure when you mentioned the Enneagram that you understand that understanding our nature is Mm -hmm. important because, you know, I'm never going to be somebody that has every little detail in place with all the T's crossed and the I's Mm -hmm. dotted before I get going. That weighs me down. Some people are not comfortable. My sister's not comfortable unless everything is in place first. Like Mm -hmm. 
she does her dishes three times a day because she can't stand a you know countertop that's not clean. And I can create masterpieces in the kitchen in a cluttered kitchen. So mm-hmm. getting to know ourselves. And I think maybe that does relate to it does not overcomplicating. Yeah. It does. And yeah, it could be, a. I think that could be a very much a sixth one, because honestly, some of the biz, the best business growth that I've had, the most impactful business growth that I've had in my business, it's not this tried and trusted marketing strategy. It's not this one formula. It's not this and this. Honestly, the biggest growth moments I've had is getting to know myself and how I can sustainably grow my business. And so that really is, I think is such a crucial piece is understanding yourself, practicing that self-love of not putting yourself to this expectation of who you think you need to be, but starting mm-hmm. to accept who you are. And that's going to be one of the biggest ways that you actually will be able to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad we got this little bonus marketing tip, even if it's just for my own selfish reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have two questions. I know you have something you'd like to gift and yes. And also I'd love for you to share what that is and how to get in touch with you both for that or just to check you out. So yeah, what do you absolutely. Got? So yeah, I would love to invite you if you enjoyed this conversation, if this is something that you would like to dive deeper into, I do have a free workshop, um, online workshop. It's about an hour, maybe a little bit longer in length, but we dive really deeply. It's called planning for profit. And we dive really deeply into like the three core areas that I think are so crucial to really start thinking about your business in that profitable growing way. Um, the mindset, both business mindset and money mindset, um, some financial strategies to help you start thinking about how again, you can make your business profitable and then business strategies like marketing and processes. So we talk about those as well. So I would love to, if this was interesting, you can find that at heykristamarie.com forward slash profit plan. And again, it's completely free. I'd love for you to join me in that. And I, yeah, I'd love to connect anyone. Um, I am on Instagram. So you'll see me. I post whenever I feel inspired to, um, but you can find me at heykristamarie as well. Great. Oh, and I have a podcast. She calls her shots. So if you are looking for other um, business building tips and resources, you can find a lot there too. Great, great, great. Okay. Um, So the last question is sort of either something you were like, oh, I wish I had shared this other thing I I haven't, or just a parting thought. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes, I'll I'll share that, um, and you probably heard it, it's by Henry Ford, and it's whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I think it is very in line with what we've talked about today is really just starting to practice this idea of self-belief, believing that you are capable of doing the things that you want to do. And speaking of the law of attraction, speaking of mindset and all of that, um, just really starting to put into practice, even if it's just little bits every day of starting to drop like little confidence into your confidence bucket. Um, Just starting to do that on a regular basis and treating that as an actual business building thing that you're doing and not just some nice to have woo woo thing. Um, And understanding that like that actually does will make a big difference. I love it. it. Well, thank you, Krista. Krista Marie. Thank you. So happy that we were going to do this earlier and circumstances came up with both of us and this feels like the perfect time for this conversation as we're starting a year off. Yeah, um, agreed. So I I always believe in divine timing. Me too. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody, for, I don't know what. Oh, yeah, my wrap up. <laughs> and um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. All righty. So I told Krista Marie goodbye. And I want to remind you that I have a couple goodies at lucydumascoaching.com, a book called 10 Big Ideas for Marketing in the Real World, and then a little, I don't know, handout about uh, seven or eight marketing tips. I can't remember if I have seven or eight. So if you go to my website, you can grab those and then and check out my Instagram. And if you follow me, then you'll get regular notices of all of the podcast guests that I have and all the good stuff. Okay, little quick tips from Krista. First, I ask her about tips if you're thinking about going full-time, what you want to have in place. And she said, 
First of all, you want to be seeing yourself as a real photographer. And the money that you bring in, look at it as real money, business money, not play money. And number three was having your financial and your general mindset in line as a professional. And then we talked about burnout and her definition was if you're feeling overbooked, if you're working too much, you've lost your passion, you feel some resentment, you're feeling self-doubt, or you might have those times when you have a lack of work. And so it's hard to be motivated because you're not getting things going. I can I can relate to that for sure at times when it's quiet. And she said some of the things to realize is some times of burnout are inevitable. It comes in season. So with most professional photographers, there's kind of a cycle in a year. Um, Sometimes we need to step back. Number three, she said, if we feel the need to stop or slow down or do nothing, check our intentions. And number four, she said, find our triggers and release the pressure. Sometimes it's okay to just let things go and allow some some breaks so that things can regenerate and renew. And then she covered some marketing mistakes. One was being in too many places on social media. Two not being targeted enough, or maybe it's a flip, but number one was trying not to be everything to everybody photographically. Number two is being in too many platforms and we're not able to put enough energy into all of them. So then all of them suffer. Three is mistake is to wait around for work to come to us. Four, asking for other people's opinions and advice. that don't know our full story and our goals and, you know, all that stuff. Five is that we can overcomplicate everything. And then the number six little bonus was not knowing ourselves. So when we're not aware of what works for us, then we make marketing decisions that aren't really going to be as successful as we'd like it to be. So that's it for now. And thank you for listening. And I will see you next time. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.